Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Charlie Matz, filling in for Ben Blakey. It's Friday, March 25th, 2022. I heard a story once when I was younger about a dad and his son. The father wanted his son to grow up independent and strong, trusting no one. This father wanted his son to be weary of others, expecting the worst from them, to be suspicious of anyone since they could hurt him at some point in his life. So what did this father do? He asked his son to get up on a table to do a trust fall. You know, the exercise where the person standing on something higher leans back and falls into the arms of a person or a group of people. They're supposed to catch them so that they can learn to trust those who are catching them, hence the name trust fall. So the son is on the table and the dad gives him the instructions and then counts down three, two, one. The son leans back and the dad moves out of the way. He crashes to the floor, getting hurt in the process. As the dad stands over him, he says, you can't trust anyone, not even me. Now, I'd be curious to see how that worked out for both of them in the long run. But here's my question for us today. Is God like this father in the story? God asks us to do things at times that don't make sense to us in the moment. Can we trust him with full obedience? God asks us to place our whole life in Christ. Can we trust that he will always be there for us? Our Lord and God is not like this unwise father. Our God is omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent, sovereign, and good. And we can take that to the bank. In our Old Testament reading today, we're in Deuteronomy chapters 14 through 16. And in these passages, we're going to read about some guidelines that God gives to the Israelites. To obey the commands that God lays out here, the Israelites had to trust the Lord. I think we can learn a few things from how he directs their actions, which are directly tied to their heart. When Moses says right at the beginning of chapter 14, you shall not cut yourselves or make any baldness on your foreheads for the dead, he's referring to a custom of mourning that foreign religions engaged in. Now, this might not seem like a harmful action at first. It might seem harmless, but in God's perfect wisdom, he knows how easily our heart can wander away from him, starting with the simplest and the smallest of actions. There are times when we find ourselves convicted by the word of God our conscience, or even a friend who's coming to us to reveal something that might be sinful in our lives. Perhaps we need to remember that God uses these methods to keep us away from small dangers that can turn into larger ones. Do we trust him even when we think what he's asking us to avoid seems harmless? Now, when Moses mentions the tithe, starting in verse 22, he's referring to an agricultural tithe. And this was in addition to the first tithe that went to support the priests and the Levites. And they would also give a third tithe, this welfare tithe, every three years that he describes at the end of the chapter. God's method to grow our trust in him is perfect. It not only provides for those in need, but it also forces us to trust him to refill our pantries and our accounts. When God asks us to be generous, do we trust him? In chapter 15, we learn several rules from our Lord regarding property and lending. Moses says in verses 4 through 6, But there will be no poor among you, for the Lord God will bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance to possess. If only you will strictly obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all this commandment that I command you today, for the Lord your God will bless you as he promised you, and you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow, and you shall rule over many nations, but they shall not rule over you. 
God is basically saying, if you obey all my commands, there will be no poor among you. Obviously, we know that this doesn't happen because of the Israelites and our disobedience. But it's interesting to be reminded by this passage that God has provided everything necessary for the sustenance of all, providing that everyone is obedient to the Lord. Now, if you're like me, then the second you heard of this sabbatical year, where it says at the end of every seven years, you shall grant a release, you might have thought to yourself, if it was the sixth month of the sixth year, who would lend to anyone knowing that it would be released almost immediately? Fortunately for us, the Lord covers that starting in verse nine. He says this, take care lest there be an unworthy thought in your heart. And you say the seventh year, the year of release is near and your eye look grudgingly on your poor brother and you give him nothing. And he cried to the Lord against you and you be guilty of sin. You shall give to him freely and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him because for this, the Lord, your God will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake. Here, God helps us to get to the bottom of all these rules and regulations. Trust in the Lord. Do we trust the Lord as our provider or are we using human logic and wisdom to ensure that we are taken care of? We see the same pattern displayed when it comes to a slave leaving or staying. God commands the Israelites to be generous, trusting that the Lord will bless them. And what is one of the best ways to trust the Lord with what he's asked us to do today? Remember what he's done in the past. And that's the main point of what we read in chapter 16 today. Just like we take communion today to remember the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Israelites celebrated Passover, remembering how God saved them out of Egypt. As we look at the pattern that God implements for the Israelites, it's easy to start to see how that overlays on top of our lives as New Testament Christians. God created systems within the day and life of every Jew to force them to constantly trust God. And they were blessed if they did, not only as individuals, but as a nation. And here's my challenge for us today. Is our life comfortable? If it is, we're probably not following God's pattern. And what I mean by that is this. God asks his children to do things that don't make sense to them, to put them in a position to trust him and not erect idols in their hearts. If you are diligently seeking after the Lord as his child, he will ask you to trust him in ways that are humanly uncomfortable. That doesn't mean we seek discomfort as some type of asceticism, but we lean into the uncommon life of being a Christian, doing whatever God asks us to do, that we might learn to trust him all the more. Now, as we dive into our New Testament reading in John 10, 22 through 42, we're given some great comfort that no matter how much we sacrifice to live a life for Christ, there's one thing that will never be taken from us. Our reading starts off letting us know that the Feast of Dedication is taking place. This is also known as Hanukkah. You've probably heard of Hanukkah before. This is a celebration of the defeat of the Syrian leader Antiochus Epiphanes, a leader who persecuted Israel. At one point, he conquered Israel and desecrated the temple by setting up worship of a false god on the altar. The Jews revolted in what was called the Maccabean Revolt, and they eventually took back control and rededicated the temple, thus the Feast of Dedication or Hanukkah, the Festival of Lights or Feast of Lights, as it's also called, since the commemoration of this event is celebrated by Jewish homes lighting a menorah or candles. Now, here is Jesus. He's walking into the temple, 
And the Jews are seeking to corner him and get him to admit to being the Messiah, not so that they can worship him, but so that they can kill him for blasphemy. And there's an irony here. They are celebrating a festival that remembers when the temple was rededicated to worship the one true and living God. And these Jews are talking to Jesus, who is God, the ultimate sacrifice, but they are accusing him of desecrating the temple. He is the promised one coming to rescue people from their sin. And they think he is coming to draw people away from worshiping God. The irony is that these men who are confronting Jesus, they don't know God. So they don't recognize the works that Jesus has done as validating his relationship with the Father. But the main passage that I want to point out today is in verses 27 through 30. It says this, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one. Our salvation isn't like a temple that can be raided and overtaken by an enemy. When we are securely in Christ, nothing can snatch us away. Praise God that we serve a God who not only holds us securely, but tells us that he does. God is a God of comfort. His laws are to protect and comfort us. We must trust him to obey them. His promises are to give us hope, comfort, peace, and boldness. We can live an obedient life for Christ, no matter the consequences for doing so, knowing that God will never let us out of his sight, better yet, out of his hand. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. Ben Blakey will be back on Wednesday, March 30th. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.